0: The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647-US12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Our Father, after singing all those last couple of songs, I've got so many, uh, I want to sing them over again. I want to pray them over to you. Lord, I'll just simply say, Father, would you be lifted up? Would you be glorified? We love you, Jesus. And uh, may the, <laughs> the song we sang about the ascent, Lord, maybe, may we just kind of uh, climb uh, even during this time as we continue to look at your word to that place of worshiping you, I pray in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Yeah, if, you know, if you're into uh, like stories behind the Psalms, you probably want or songs you probably want to look up that song that third song is that called the ascent highlands song of ascent song of ascent yeah. because uh in the bible a lot of the psalms are called psalms of ascent and the people would sing them as they went up to the temple to worship the lord and i kept thinking of that kind of visualizing that that's where we are as far as gathering together and we want to walk walk up to that place where we're ready to bow before him and uh sorry i was getting excited over that I thought, hey that that's from the psalms i was getting pr- pretty pumped over that okay hey i want to start off just to get you thinking if you're wondering why that weird word up there to begin with is uh, you know i get into sometimes i get distracted and and uh, i got this week looking at some new words that have been added to the dictionary in the last few years actually i think this was from 2017. the word is phoenicia that is not the uh, ancient empire where they sold purple dye if you're into your history Uh, But you see the word phone and you see like amnesia. Okay? That word actually, you're going to think it means I forgot where I put my phone. That's not what it means. It actually is that sense that you get when you call somebody, that feeling you get when you call somebody and you forgot who you called. Have you ever experienced, oh, I'm sorry, I have Phoenicia. Uh, have you ever experienced that, though? You know, hey, who is this? You called me. Uh, and been there, been there many times. Or that panic right before, I always just hang up. You know, I don't know who I'm calling. Uh, I'm hanging up. Okay, but uh, okay, that's one word. And the second word is disconfect. That actually, this is a word they added a, a couple years ago. It's actually a word that means, you know, if your candy or your lollipop or whatever drops on the ground and you blow on it to sterilize it. That's that word. You're disconfecting it like that, clean as could be now, it's healthy for everybody. Uh, the third word I have there, I like this one, you know, you have brainstorming, I like this, you can pretty much figure out what that is, hey, let's get together and talk about who's to blame, uh, who do you think's to blame, let's, let's get together, they actually have a word for that, this last one though is, is my favorite, the word is intoxication, okay, it's good for this time of the year, because this is that feeling of euphoria that you get when you realize that you're getting a tax refund. Of course, it only lasts until you realize it's really your money. <laughs> but uh, but that that's that, that feeling right there. So uh, I got I got fascinated looking at some words and make sure you know we get, keep our vocabulary growing. This is a learning experience. But actually, the word that I want to look at today is uh, a word that we hear all the time. It occurs, if you're familiar with the New Testament, all it occurs over 120 times in the New Testament. It's a word that we sang about around here as the service started. We're going to talk about grace. Now, I normally, I like to be up front for worship, but just, I really like to plug in and, and get that. Like I said, I have such a good time. I really do. I'm, I'm like, wow, that's I'd love to be able to sing his, his praise here together with you. But today, I thought... Okay, we're going to sing about grace to start off with. This is amazing grace. It's a song that we've sung around here for years. Uh, might be new to some of you, but it, it's been probably 10, 15 years old that, that we've sung that. And uh, I thought, I wonder how, you know, here's what I was thinking. If a visitor walked in and watched us singing that song. Now, I know it's the first song, which is kind of a little warm-up song. And it looks like maybe we got a little bit of sickness here. We've got a few holes here today. I, I get that a little bit. But I got to tell you, as lovingly as I could say this, you stunk. (laughs) I don't know how to say it. I was being stealthy and sneaking around the back during that opening song, coming in the back door and watching. And I was trying to think, if a guest came in and were singing, This is Amazing Grace, I thought, would they believe that these people believe that this is amazing grace? And my conclusion was... Vincy believes this is amazing grace. The rest of us, we stunk. Uh, even Craig was up there kind of on his base. He wasn't awake yet. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I thought maybe maybe, maybe Faye. We'll give Faye partial credit there. I think she believed it a little bit. Uh, but most everybody, it was. I was just looking thinking, does anybody really believe that grace is so amazing? So what we're going to do today is take a little look, take a big look at grace. And my prayer has really been, and this is kind of weird. Well, I'll show you where it came from. There's a verse um, in the book of Ephesians, uh, where it talks about grace. And like I said, this is one of over 120 verses in the New Testament that use the word grace. But in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches. Where did we get that? How did we get forgiven? Through the riches of his grace, which he has lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. And what I wanted us to do, if we could for the next you know 30 minutes, is just kind of take a little bath. Uh, I, when I hear that word lavish, that's what I think of. I think it's just being poured all over you. I want us to sit in the grace of God. And ask, I've been asking God to kind of lavish that grace upon you that we see that. You see, although there are 120 verses that mention the word grace, we're not going to look at those today. What I wanted to do is look at some of the stories in the Scripture of grace. I wanted you to see where grace is illustrated. I wanted you to see where grace is demonstrated. That we can see this play out because it is when those stories become part of our lives uh, that they, they really do transform us. And when those tr- and when that transformation t- takes place, that's when we see it impact the body of Christ, which has been our theme for February, that we're focusing on being the body. Now, how is that gonna work? Well, it is when we see this grace acted out. So we're gonna look at Grace Illustrated. Uh, There's a uh, story we're gonna look at in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 24, in a few minutes. Before we do that, before we dive into that story, I need to introduce you to one of the characters of that story. His name is Saul. Now, Saul was the first king of Israel. Uh, When he was appointed king of... Let let me say this first of all. Saul, the picture I want to paint for you, I think is a very accurate picture. I don't know how to come up with a strong enough, appropriate church word to use for the type of person that Saul had become. Okay? I had an old friend who used to call people bites in the shorts. And he has a big bite in the shorts. We're going to go with that one, just because it seems kind of not too offensive. If you're offended by that, I'm sorry. (laughs) But I want you in your mind to think of a stronger word. Okay, you don't have to yell it out. Uh, But I I want you to think of, you know, because Saul fit the bill. See, he started off as this king of Israel, uh, good-looking, strong uh, leader, had everything going for him. But in chapter 17 of 1 Samuel, there's a story that many of you have heard of, uh, David and Goliath. And David, for the first time, is chosen by God, and David slays the the giant in the fight. And David begins to uh, have some people that uh, are singing his praises. Saul can't deal with it. So Saul decides he's going to send David on some missions that he's doomed to failure, perhaps even death. And David goes out and he wins those too. And the praises increased. The Bible says that when people are singing Saul's praise, but thousands more are singing David's praise, and, and Saul can't live with it. It's driving him crazy. In fact, Saul becomes so angered and so frustrated by this that he, be, he knows that this is God's plan, that David's going to be the king, but he wants to stop God's plan. He wants to try to thwart God's plan, which is a very frustrating thing to try to do in your life, and that's where he is, and he's becoming miserable, and he even take, goes to the place where he gives his daughter to David As a bride so that she can spy on him So he uses his daughter In that way he says hey I want you to be his Bride because I want you to tell me everything going on Because I got to find out the weaknesses of my enemy That to me seems so low I can't imagine Taking my daughter and using her in that way And then he says to his son Jonathan at one point where Jonathan says Something actually kind about David He says ah He says you're a child of Of whoredoms basically Okay lovely thing to say to your son uh, and I thought, you know, talk about a dysfunctional family. Talk about a, a Christmas party you wouldn't want to go to. There are several instances in the next several chapters where Saul is chucking his spear at somebody to try to kill him. And a couple of times it's David. Uh, once it's quite possibly even his own son Jonathan, but he's chucking his spear around. He's violently upset. He is this guy that I don't know how to describe him, but you don't want to be around. Anger But I want you to think about this even as we go through this story because I want you to look for the Saul's in your life. Maybe there is somebody that is a regular part of your life. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's in the family. Maybe it's at church. But you see this person, and they are eaten up by anger, and they do everything they can to make everybody else as miserable as possible. possible. Now, maybe this is somebody that kind of just pops into your life occasionally, but maybe it is a, a fixture in your life. There is a Saul. I even want you to take a quick peek at the mirror too and make sure that's not where you see Saul. That this is that somebody that is, is spreading his anger and his resentment and it, it, it tears you know, apart families and it tears apart uh, businesses and any type of situation that you have because this person is so bitter and they're angry against God. So let's, let's look at the story of what happened in chapter 24. Again, Saul is bent on killing David. He hates him. He's chucked a spear at him. He's chasing him down with men. We'll see see that here at the beginning of the story. But it it goes like this. When Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, Behold, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. And then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all Israel and went to seek David and his men in the front of the wild goat's rocks. And he came to the uh, sheepfold, by the way, where there was a cave. Okay, got the picture, Saul has this many men, he's chasing down David, uh, apparently this area, you know, hopefully you can kind of picture this, an Iraqi area with caves all over, you, you know, we've, we've seen that, uh, you know, in different movie scenes or whatever like that in the Middle East there, and now David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave, oh, I'm sorry, I skipped a key phrase there, Saul went in to relieve himself, aren't you glad I shared that with you, uh, but uh, nature calls and Saul answers and he says, boys, stay here for a minute, I'm going in the cave. Well, when he goes in there, David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave. And the men of David said to him, hey, there's, there's the king. Here's the day in which the Lord said to you, behold, I will give your enemy in your hand, and you shall do to him as shall seem good to you. Then David ar- arose, I like this word, and stealthily cut off the corner of Saul's robe. Okay, so Saul apparently gone in there, set his robe to the side, I'm thinking. Uh, and David's in the back. You know, he's, Saul's just come in from the light So he can't see, he doesn't see the men that are, that are in there And uh, David sneaks up And instead of killing Saul with the sword He cuts off the corner of his robe Okay, story goes on Afterwards, David's heart struck him <laughs> he had t- Now, most of us are thinking or, or if you're thinking with me Honestly, this guy's been trying to kill him Most of us are thinking David did a good thing. But David is so tender-hearted here. It says his heart struck him because he had cut off the corner of Saul's robe. (laughs) I'd have been like, what a good boy am I? I should have killed the guy. Uh, But he said to him, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. And David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit him to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went out Afterwards David also rose And he went out of the cave and he called after Saul He said my lord the king When Saul looked behind him David bowed With his face to the earth and paid homage My king And David said to Saul Why do you listen to the words of the men Who say behold David seeks To harm you behold this day Your eyes have seen how the Lord Gave you today into my hand in the cave And some told me to kill you But I spared you I said I will not put out my hand against my Lord For he is the Lord's anointed See my father uh, See the corner of your robe in my hand For by the fact that I have cut off the corner of your robe And did not kill you You may know and see That there is no wrong or treason in my hands I have not sinned against you Though you hunt my life to take it May the Lord judge between me and you May the Lord avenge me against you but my hand shall not be against you. This is an incredible story of somebody showing grace. Would you not agree? If ever anybody would have had reason, obviously opportunity in this case, to kill him, David had it. And yet here's what he says. Here's his response. And I think in life, when we look at the souls of our lives, uh, we have a choice very similar to David's. We can decide to either get even or trust God. We can either decide to take this matter in our own hands with some vengeance, or we can trust in the providence of God. We can say, hey, it's up to me to carry out this justice, or we can do what God often does, and that is God withholds vengeance to create room for repentance and reconciliation. Let me say that again. God withholds vengeance to create room for repentance and reconciliation. Now, understand, please, as I say this, I am not saying, okay, if you have a desire for vengeance, if you're having a hard time forgiving anybody, if the root of bitterness that the Bible talks about has gotten a hold in your life and taken up that, and that's sitting there now, and even as we talk about this, and I said, okay, think about the Saul. Think about the, uh, the person there that uh, uh, is, you know... It seems like that they're just trying to make your life as miserable as possible and you think of that and you think, man, I really couldn't forgive them, I couldn't do that. Please understand, I am not saying I get over it. I am not like, hey, don't worry about it, it's no big deal. What I'm saying is the exact opposite. I'm not saying get over it, it's no big deal. I'm saying something more like this, this is no, so significant that you can't carry this through life. I caught a pearl of wisdom from Tim Allen this week. I saw the end of his, um, what women, uh, women, who's the, he has all the girls in his house. Last man standing, thank you. (laughs) Sorry, I thought I knew the name of that show and I got lost in the middle of that sentence. Uh, But at the end he does his little video blog and he quoted St. Augustine. And he said that uh, holding on to resentment and bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting somebody else to die. But that is really what I'm saying here. I'm not saying no big deal. I'm not saying get over it. What I am saying is you're not designed to carry this moving forward. So as we look to follow uh, David's example, understand not only are we following David's example, but we're also following the example of our King Jesus. For we have the, And we have the opportunity in this to reflect the character of God. So as appealing as vengeance is, and as much as we would want to have this, what we're really weighing is I can exact vengeance and I can try to do everything I can to get even or I can reflect the character of my God. And I I want to encourage you, and as we take a look, I mentioned several times already that uh, over 120 times the word grace appears in the New Testament. Do you know who never used that word once? Jesus. Kind of weird. Uh, Paul used it most of the times we're talking, talking about. Jesus never once used the word grace. Now, the Bible does say about Jesus, though, that he was full of grace and truth. And what we saw in Jesus' life, not as grace spoken about, but grace lived out over and over again, or we saw grace demonstrated. And I wanted to look at a few of those situations uh, real quickly just so we, we take a little peek and, and, and we see uh, these things about God's, God's grace. The first place where God, or the first person to whom he showed uh, amazing grace, was to a leper. And um, if you are familiar at all with leprosy, you know, remember reading about it or studying about it, it's, it's not something that we think of being real common today. In fact, it's kind of joking material today. You know, we're singing the song, Leprosy, I'm Not Half the Man I Used to Be, you know, different things, uh, things like that. It's not something where very many of our lives have been touched by leprosy. In that day, different story. When you got leprosy, not only were you basically have a death sentence, but you also had a uh, outcast sentence. You are to live by yourself. In fact, you need to cry out unclean and you are considered untouchable. Nobody is going to reach out and touch you where you are because of the filth you live in. Well, let's see what happened when Jesus met with the leper. When he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, You can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand, and he touched him, saying, I I will be clean. And immediately, the leprosy left him. If you would notice one thing in particular in this story, I want want us to to think about the people to whom God showed his grace. And I want to focus on this idea of one of the, the key components of the very word grace is that it is unmerited. Okay, that's what the word means. If it's the idea that somehow I earn it or somehow I deserve more grace than you do, then we, we take grace out of the picture because grace in and of itself means the people receiving it are not deserving of it. It's one of the main ideas that, that we need to get across. I was thinking uh, one day this uh, week, I got in my wife's car and turned on and the radio was on. She always leaves it on really loud. She says she doesn't, but she really does. Uh, and uh, I'm pretty sure it was on WFRN or that other, uh, but, uh, but anyway, I'm, I'm pretty sure, and uh, right away the words came on, and, it, and they were saying, let's see, Moses got stage fright, and David brought a rock to a sword fight, and you chose 12, oh, what was it, 12 people that nobody else would choose, I forget the exact, one, outcasts, or something like that, that nobody else would choose, and you changed the world, and I was thinking about how God puts together his team. And, uh, you know, people that, you know, we don't think, hey, they've done something somehow to earn this, somehow to deserve this. Well, I, I'd like you to remember this from the story of the leper. Before the person is cleaned, what does Jesus do? Reach us out and touch us. Okay, would you remember that, please? The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He doesn't say, clean your stuff up, get your act together, and then I'm going to touch you. He reaches out, and he touches them right away. You see this picture of somebody as unclean, and yet Jesus touches them. That's grace. Okay? It, it, remember, clean yourself up, and, and I'll talk to you. He's going to reach out and touch them right away. The second person and you may, you may be familiar with this story, but uh, there was a story in the Scripture of a woman that is taken in adultery, and she's dragged before Jesus. And uh, the uh, Scripture tells us that as they continued to ask him, what they were doing is saying, Jesus, should we, should we stone her? The law says stone her. Should we stone her? Uh, and said to them, let him that is without sin among you be the first to throw stone at her. There's a lot of different aspects of this story. This could be several sermons, I'm sure, just of itself. But the thing that I want you to think about for a second here is that this woman was found in adultery. It wasn't like we needed to wait for the trial. There was no question she was guilty. Okay? There was no question she was guilty. So as we look at grace, we see that Jesus demonstrated grace before you're cleaned up, that Jesus demonstrated grace to the guilty. That's the whole idea undeserving in that way and i want us to also see how jesus showed his grace from the cross it Is record seven different sayings of christ are recorded on the cross not a one of them was something like this you know you you may have seen they've made little t-shirts where they have jesus and he's doing the arnold and he's kind of a mixture of jesus and arnold schwarzenegger and he's saying i'll be back have you ever seen those Okay, maybe I, maybe I just shop in weird stores, but uh, but I, I've seen those. He says I'll be back. Uh, that was an incredible impression, wasn't it? You know, later I'll do Christopher Walking for you. But uh, anyway, the uh, but uh, it, when you think about that idea, though Jesus did say I shall I will return when he's on the cross, there's not once a tone of like Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, when he was saying I'll be back, he was saying I'll be back, and you better be ready because you're going to get it. Okay. There's none of that from Jesus. Not, nowhere on the cross does he say, you, <laughs> yeah, you're going to be sorry for what you did. What does Jesus say? Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And they continued cast lots. Uh, Jesus gave space through grace uh, for repentance. So... If somewhere in your mind, in your life, you're looking and you're saying, well, wait a minute, you don't understand, Pastor. I don't deserve grace. Good. That's exactly what I'm trying to communicate to you. If you say, I'm not deserving of this grace in this situation of life, what I am saying to you, exactly. That's what grace is. Okay? That's, That's what grace is poured into our lives. So let's see then how we can take this grace and I want to say it like this Make it part of our lives How can we see that grace is released into our lives Or that grace is unleashed into our lives And into the body of Christ I should say before I do this That uh, I am not suggesting that there is never a case For example, I'm not saying that Christians Could never press charges against somebody Or that somebody couldn't seek to put somebody behind bars <laughs> Sorry, I'm looking at my Canabi over here uh, Or uh, you know, uh, no, like I, I'm not saying that at all Because in fact the Bible says That government is ordained by God To bring about justice and punish wrong uh, In fact the Bible also gives guidelines For civil lawsuits uh, So it is possible that that is something But what I'm saying is In life we are going to run into all types of saws and all types of jerks and all types of messes and we are going to mistreat and we are going to be mistreated and part of being in, even in the body of Christ is those things are going to happen and we need to learn about grace. We need to understand a little bit. So before we get into what I think is our key phrase here, I want to talk about five things that often stand in the way of grace. Guilt, shame, bitterness, and anger guilt and shame carry carry with it the idea of <laughs> pastor and and believe me any pastor that, that has ever existed has heard this statement over and over again but you don't know what I've done okay and there are some of you just sitting here now thinking that but you don't know how bad I am. You don't know what a, what a course, you know, what the, the way I've gone and the things that I've done. You don't really understand it. And the main thing that I want to say to you, the main thing uh, for us to understand there, if we're carrying this guilt and this shame, what we're actually doing is we're kind of undermining the cross or we're saying it's not enough. Because let's say that, that, uh, that Ron, you, you said to me, you don't know what I've done, you don't know how bad it is. My follow up question would be, would the death of the sinless Son of God be enough To cover that and here's what Many people would say yes but Because it's like yeah Yeah I know I can't argue with that that God sent his son to pay the price for my sin But we really Have, have trouble with that so we continue To carry the guilt and the shame For many we continue To carry the bitterness and the anger and the Statement could be made hey you don't know What's been done to me you, 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 don't, you don't get it. You, you don't understand the extent of what has happened, what this person has done, that they have stolen every dream I ever had, that they've stolen my innocence, that they've made my life a living hell. You don't understand what this person has, has done. <laughs> Last Saturday afternoon, about 4 o'clock, I was walking out of a nursing home, and the, uh, the nursing home was pretty empty about that time. Um, I rounded the corner, and it's a weird setup. You have the door in the middle, and you have a long hallway that leads to it from each side. So I rounded one corner, and as I started down, a lady rounded the other corner, way down the hallway, really like, you know, from me to the back wall there. Actually, further than that, she was way down there. And uh, this lady had on a bright red sweater, and she had this grin ear to ear. And she says, now you just look burdened. And I really thought, she's way down there, she has no idea who I am. I thought somebody else has to be coming around the corner to talk to her that she was talking to. So I just continued walking and ignored the lady. And we got a little closer, and she says, You really do? You look burdened. Can I ask you, are you burdened? And I realized she's talking to me. And she said, My name is Sister Joy. And whatever you picture when you hear the name Sister Joy, that's exactly what she looked like. Uh, and at first I thought, Okay, this lady's just a little bit too much for me. Uh, but she said, My name is Sister Joy. She said, And you, are you burdened? And I thought, oh, I didn't realize no, I was carrying a heavy burden. I said, well, maybe a little bit from the you know, person I just talked to. is going through a pretty rough time. And she said, well, can I tell you this? She said, you weren't designed to carry that burden. And I, I can still see her standing there. She opens up her hands, and she says, I want to encourage you just to let it go and give it to Jesus. Would you do that? And that is really the message that I'm, I'm saying with these things. I'm not saying you don't have reason to be bitter. I'm not saying you don't have reason to have anger. I'm not even saying you don't have reason to have guilt or shame. What I'm saying is you are not designed to carry those through life. And what I'm hoping that we can do is as we look at the grace that David demonstrated to Saul, but even more of that as we look at the person of Jesus Christ and we see in his life this grace demonstrated to the leper and this grace... To the adulterer, and we see him from the cross saying, Father, forgive them, that you can allow that grace of God to pour out over you and realize, hey, I wasn't designed to carry this garbage forward into life. Listen, this kind of grace does change our lives. The phrase I want us to be thinking about is that uh, the key here is realizing that I am the sinner for whom Jesus died. Uh, last week, my wife and I were in an uh, Airbnb, and um, we, uh, they had a cable package that had, you know, some of you maybe have this own, home, but it had like 1,000 stations. I'm not exaggerating. It had 1,000 stations. And uh, if you've ever gotten to that and you're not used to it, I always get excited. Hey, there's got to be something good on. Uh, you know, and I'm going through like crazy. I got the speed guide there and everything like that. And, of course, by the time I get through 1,000 stations and decide what I want to watch, it's over. Uh, and, you know, so I was playing that little game Going through it, flipping around and, and everything like that and I, stopped, and I stopped for a minute on a show Many of you are familiar with called The Office I say, now wait a minute We're going to have a scriptural lesson from The Office If you're familiar, uh, The Office is not a real powerful documentary On how to live life or anything like that But I stopped for a minute And uh, if, if you're familiar with the show You might remember this scene But there was a young girl that uh, I, I say young, she was probably in her 20s and she had been an orphan. And her whole life, she had been in search of her birth parents, or she wanted to find them. And, you know, where are they? And, and everything like that. And in this particular scene, a lady addresses her and she says, I uh, can't remember the girl's name. Girl's name? Aaron, thank you. She says, Aaron, uh, she, <laughs> I knew you guys would be all over that. You know, if I say what's the name of the disciple? Nah, no clue. But Aaron, we got that. Uh, okay, so, uh, so she says, Aaron. Aaron, if you were to meet your mother after all these years, after you searched for her, she said, Would you hate her? And Aaron it kind of stopped. And through the course of the conversation, in the, the stupid way of the show, uh, or creative way of the show, however you want to look at it, uh, it came around to the idea that she said, No, basically, I wouldn't. And then through the course of finally this girl realizes that this is her birth mother asking her this. And they run and embrace. Now as goofy as this is, I probably watched 90 seconds of it for a minute, for a minute as, there, as this happens. I'm sitting there and I got tears running down my eyes. <laughs> running down here. I just thought, it's this incredible picture. When you see that, when you experience that grace in your life. Yeah, I have every reason to hate you. You deserted me. You ruined my whole life. I have every reason to hate you. Come here. I want to hug you. I want to love you. When we see that, it really does change us. Listen, it changes our churches. It changes this church when we get a hold of, of showing that kind of grace. You know, if this church or a small group or anything or any church that you've ever gone to becomes the type of place when when you walk in you think to yourself, you know what? I just feel terrible about it myself every time I come here because these people have it all together and I don't have it all together. And, and I just feel, you know, like I'm just a mess and everything like that. I got to tell you something, we are doing something wrong. I'm doing something wrong. I don't ever want you to see that. I want you to see it as a place that says grace, grace. This week as I was standing in uh, Hallmark, some of you remember a couple years ago I gave my wife a Valentine card that was addressed to, to my husband. Uh, so I try to be more careful now, uh, so I'm standing, I'm standing <laughs> and actually that was an example of Grace, uh, she still loves me, uh, but, uh, the, uh, but I'm standing there and I'm reading through the different cards and and everything, and once again, you're going to think this guy's just a big sap, but once again, got a couple tears starting in my eyes, stuff like that, because as I read through different things, I thought about, and she's not in here today, so I know I'm not embarrassing her, but, uh, I thought about how incredible, how, how many times for 37 years she has shown me grace. How many times she could have said, hit the road, bud. How many times she could say, get out the door. And when I think about that, just overwhelmed with that grace, It tra- you understand that transforms our relationship? And if we can, here, here's what we get a chance to do today. In a couple minutes, we're going to observe the Lord's Supper. And as we do that, I really want to invite you to think about the whole idea that God so loved you that he, that he reached out and he sent his son to die on a cross to pay the price for our sin. I, I really want you to kind of let that kind of bathe over you. And, and I always like to mention this when we, when we observe the Lord's Supper. There is absolutely This is totally voluntary There is no pressure at all if, if for any reason whatsoever One time I didn't observe the Lord's Supper Because I had a cough And I knew when I took The little cracker Before I got the juice down I was going to start coughing And I didn't uh, I know there's been times When my wife and I Have said hey you know what And, and, th- and this is something to consider There's somebody in my life That uh, things aren't right uh, We haven't let grace solve this yet. We haven't shown grace or we haven't received grace and there's a fractured relationship and I, I don't know that I want to observe the Lord's Supper. First Corinthians talks about that. So we sat and, and we let others participate. Maybe it's the, you know, I don't know that I understand what you're talking about here as far as, you know, believing, as far as receiving, but what I'm saying here is you need, <laughs> every one of us needs a grace story. And I hope you have the story of a time when an individual poured that grace into your life because I'm so thankful I've got several like that that have just changed my life. They, they treated me in a way so much better than what I deserved and I, and, I, and I can look at that. But you need to have a grace story and if you don't have one, you can have one today. Whether it begins today or it is retold in your life today as you remember that Jesus Christ died on your cross, on the cross for your sin, as you remember that I am the... You know, I, I, ch- I change it a little bit. We always think, I am a sinner. who Jesus, I, I'm the sinner, okay? That Christ died on the cross for me. And if I could really... We're, we're going to actually, in a moment here, we're going to play the song Amazing Grace in the background. And, and folks are going to get up and they're going to step to a table that's here and a table that's back there and they're going to pick up a, a cracker and they're going to pick up a, a cup of juice. And again, if that's something we're today... <laughs> in saying that your faith and trust is in Jesus Christ. And you realize this right here. I am the sinner for whom Jesus died. And you like to take some time to remember that indeed he did die for me. That's exactly what we're doing. Now, for any reason, whatever, you'd rather not participate. Please don't feel uncomfortable. There will be others to stay seated and nobody's keeping score on that. So please don't, uh, but, you know, please don't worry about that at all. But I want to invite us to remember that verse we read at the beginning Remember that word I said I like that word. I Like the word lavished God has lavished his grace On us and I just Feel pouring over it and I hope as we Listen to the words of amazing grace As we take a moment in a few minutes And take the, the cracker and the juice And we remember that God Lavished his love on us In the person of Jesus Christ You know if we get a hold of this right here This does change the way we, be, we, we Treat people When we have a grace story and, w- and we understand that I am forgiven. Uh, that does change the way we treat people. Father, I pray that, uh, yeah, <laughs> that song that we, we sang about climbing up, that you just take this time and continue to move us up that hill to a place where we are worshiping you and bowing before you. Uh, would you just continue to move us in that direction now as we observe uh, something that you instructed your church to do. And... Uh, Yeah, Lord, just use this time in our lives, I pray in your name. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.